agents reported dozens of migrants with injuries, including those broken limbs you referenced, and drownings, including several children under the age of one. Should those buoys be removed now? I don't think the buoys are the problem. Honestly, Margaret, this has been happening every single week. We see people drown. Last year, there were hundreds of migrants that are drowning. Uh, the, the reality is the buoy is only a very small little portion of the river. So we're going to hit a whole bunch of stories here, things that you may not have heard we haven't touched on, but just a little bit. If you haven't seen the videos, they've got this new string of buoys through the river there separating the United States and Mexico. It's basically they built a wall and a much cheaper version in the water that you can't get past by swimming. And, of course, it's become controversial because walls are wrong. Okay, fine. That reminds me, I saw the other day, uh, Washington Times was reporting that the uh, United States military has over 20,000 of those giant metal panels to construct the wall just laying around. And we're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a month just to store them because the Biden administration said, build bridges, not walls, and stop the wall building. Lovely. So anyway, that is happening down in Texas. The Biden administration is saying they've got to move them. It's the federal government's business to deal with the border. Not yours. Governor Abbott of Texas is saying, bring on the lawsuit, Mr. President. And uh, I kind of thought he was going to run for president. But anyway, we'll see where that goes. Another story. We mentioned this last week, but it's official now. The Biden administration has blocked Wuhan Lab, the Wuhan Lab, from further funding. How this isn't a big story, I do not know. (laughs) I mean, it seems like it's an admission of that was a problem with the whole pandemic thing. There you go. Yeah, the New York Times covered it, but they didn't leave in the fact that, by the way, we spent like a year and a half saying anybody who said that the Wuhan lab might have leaked was a dangerous lunatic and, and probably ought to be jailed. Eh, we feel bad about that now. They forgot. Eh, it's a bit, They're busy. So they have what some call the biggest crisis in Israel internally that they've ever had mm-hmm. in the nation's history. They've had some pretty big external crises, like a whole bunch of wars where many, many countries tried to destroy them. But internally, they've never had anything like this, uh, where you've got pilots not showing up for duty. That's never happened before. Right. Yeah. Military pilots. Their uh, reserve forces, active duty, all saying, no, we're not showing up for work if you're going to do this. Doctors not showing up to hospitals protesting various moves in the government. And so I have taken in a couple of different podcasts with people that, like, Israel's really their beat. And they say that the representation of what's going on at the protests is very, well, it's drive-by media, like Rush Limbaugh used to talk about it. What's actually happening is they're having their reckoning that they were able to put off since 1949 or whenever Israel became a country. Um the the reckoning is happening now of are we a Jewish state or not is coming to the head. Yeah, yeah. The more religious, the religionist, nationalist forces are now in an open fight against the more secular, uh, kind of modernist, or so they'd have you believe forces. And it's 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 really interesting. I've tried to figure out what's going on, and. There are a lot of subtleties. There are a lot of different ways of looking at the arguments, and there are a lot of politics going on. But Netanyahu has formed the right-wingiest Israeli government, really, for many, many moons. And they think the courts have way too much power to overturn their laws. And so they're trying to rewrite what powers the courts have. It's a major, major move 
in how the society functions. Whether it's right or wrong is in the eye of the beholder, obviously, but they're not fighting over trivia. It's it's a big question. Right. And uh, so that's that. I mentioned this earlier, never got to it. Is Vivek Raswami a fajita or a taco? Ramaswamy. I left out a syllable. Uh, he's a, a fajita or a taco? Right. So That is... Perhaps the most ridiculous and absurd question I've ever heard. Uh, the answer, please. So uh, Jonathan Chait wrote this. So why the shoulder shrugging about Ramaswamy's rise? It's pretty simple. His rivals don't think his la- he'll last. By the way, I watched his interview on Fox News Sunday. He's good. He, oh, yeah. He, is, he has, I hate to say it, but he has it in a way that poor DeSantis just does not. He, he can't. If DeSantis could, like, encapsulate his thoughts or feelings or mood or whatever the Ray Vivek can, he would be, well, he wouldn't be 40 points behind Trump. Yeah, I heard, I read somebody trying to take a shot at Ramaswamy, and their shot essentially was, you know, he wasn't the great scientist he claims to be. He was, he was the sales guy for all of these endeavors that made him rich. And I'm like, okay, so you're saying he's such an incredibly successful salesman, he became a billionaire or whatever he is. Right. And that's like to to say, therefore, he won't succeed as a politician. You haven't watched much politics. Oh, by the way, another tangent before we get to the tacos and fajitas. So some have made a big deal out of, in a critical way, the fact that two Republican candidates, Ramaswamy is, um, he's set up kind of like a, a selling Tupperware pyramid sort of thing for fundraising, where like if oh, you, right, you get yeah. 10% of the haul, or I think that's the amount, like if if I sign up five people to fundraise for Vivek's campaign, I get ten percent of the money, and then you got the North uh, North Korea, North Dakota governor, the billionaire. He's actually paying people. Like if you if you donate ten dollars, he'll give you a twenty dollar gift card. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he can get enough donors to be on the debate stage. Yeah. But this has been hailed as horrible by some people. Leaving out the fact that all your all your bundlers, like a third of Joe Biden's ambassadors, are big bundlers from the last mm-hmm. election. That's somehow better than the two examples I just gave. Right, being a professional fundraiser, essentially. What the hell? Um, doesn't bother me. Anyway, I think I'd like to be an ambassador, but that diplomat show with uh, Kerry Russell. I don't know. It looks kind of stressful. Jonathan Chait wrote, Vivek is like the fajitas that go by you at the restaurant. One advisor on the rival campaign told a reporter, the fajitas make noise, look exciting, and come on a fun plate. But if you order it, it's too much, too annoying to assemble, and you wish you'd just ordered the tacos. I I appreciate a good metaphor, perhaps even more than the average person, but I freaking love fajitas. I don't care so, about the politics of this. I just was wondering about the fajito taco. Does anybody yeah. anybody look at fajitas, think that looks fun and exciting, and then get them and think that's too much work? I wish I'd gotten a taco. Does that happen? I suppose it might. I mean, there's a little labor involved, but that's that's it. You've got these sizzling, fresh ingredients. You combine them into what is, to me, a super taco, a taco of surpassing deliciousness. So it's like the best taco ever assembled on Earth. So it takes you 30 seconds to... What, what, how lazy is this person? How busy are they? Do they have 15 kids and three jobs? Okay, then. That's a terrible metaphor.
You wish you'd just ordered the taco. You don't deserve fajitas. I'm not sure I've ever had a fajita. Oh, sorry to hear that. Mm. Boy, I love fajitas. Mm. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.